Welcome to the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast, featuring Christian entrepreneurs to inspire and empower Christian business owners to walk strongly in their faith while building a thriving business that honors Him in every way. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast brought to you by the Influence Alliance, the business building community for changemakers. Yes, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, joining me today is Evan Herman. Evan is a real estate agent who has been using his business as a marketplace ministry. He also has a podcast called The Whole Person Podcast and interviews amazing guests on the show. Now, Evan is focused on living a life of significance in the areas that matters most. which are faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and of course, fun. On today's show, Evan's going to share authenticity and connection through some of the stories I'm sure he's shared, the principle to loving one's self through the process of change, as well as for those of you who may feel that life has been sucked right out of you, it's Evan's goal to love you back to life through our conversation today. Welcome to the show, Evan. Hey, thank you so much. And I was digging not only that intro, but I know, you started I your show. Oh, oh, you saw me dancing. I was just like <laughs> I was jamming out. Yeah, I love um, music and make makes such a, a difference, can't it? And uh, I always love that. So when I saw you doing that, I I was smiling on the inside. Hey, tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> Had I known you saw me, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Because you know what? Um, so many guests across the, the, the number of podcasts that I've done have said when they heard the music, immediately they were doing this in the background. This is before we had the video. And when I've gone to introduce them, it's like, oh, okay, we're on. But that kind of really sets the tone, I think, and uh, what what I hope and I know that we're going to get out of today's show. So share a little bit about your background. I know that uh, you say that your business, which is in, in is real estate, is really where you're using uh, your ministry. That's yeah. really your but give us a bit of a, a brief overview of what led you down uh, the path to real estate and tell us all the good things. Well, for starters, I'm representing my alma mater, or Roberts University, and we are currently going to the Sweet 16 in March Madness basketball. So I went to ORU to get a degree in theology because from the age of seven, I wanted to be a pastor. So my specific degree was in the concentration of local church pastor with a minor or emphasis in missions, which I've gone on quite a few trips as well. And so my entire life, I've had this one goal of being a pastor. Hmm. I graduate with a degree, I get married, and I cannot land a church job to save my life. I got rejected after rejection after rejection. Some of them nice and some of them like, wow, you're a church? (laughs) Glad that didn't work out. But what happened is it create brokenness, hurt, resentment. I started resenting God because here I am called to ministry and I'm not being able to fulfill it. And from, again, the age of seven, I've been pursuing it. And then I went to a university, lots of money, $130,000 I spent towards this education. Yes. And I was heartbroken because ministry just didn't open up as an opportunity vocationally. Mm. And so 
I had a lot of jobs between the first four years of my marriage because I just got married right after graduation. So four years after, so from 2010 to the start of 2014, I had over 21 jobs in four years. A lot of them were temporary, part-time, you know, just getting what I can. And so imagine, you know, being married to a man who's had 21 jobs in four years. You know, I did not have a very, I, I wasn't leaving a very good impression on my fairly new bride still. And here's this man who can't keep a job. He nails interviews out of the park, but no one's hiring him. What's going on? And it's, it was just this gauntlet, this crucible that God had me go through. Some of it was self-inflicted that I got fired because I got tired of being pushed around as a person. I got bullied as a little kid. So, you know, my maturity level wasn't one to be able to eat it anymore. So I started bucking the system when my managers would be bad managers and not treat me kindly. And so when, when, when I didn't stand for some of that, um, that didn't go too well. And then some of it was just, I left because I worked for really bad people. And then the other were uh, temporary part-time jobs. So all that into the mix. And I have a, I don't want he wasn't even a mentor at the time. Uh, I would just say more like a, just an older, well, at the time he wasn't even an older brother yet. I, I, I moved, I was going to Phoenix, Arizona to help plant a church, which we only stayed there for three months and came back because that was just a disaster. But I hired a real estate agent. She wasn't doing a very good job to try to sell my home. She didn't take good photos. She, she tried to use her image and her body to get business. And the reason why I thought she was so good is because on day one of a listing that she took of one of my in-laws, it went pending the first day. Well, it turns out I decided to fire her uh, because she just, she didn't want to do open houses. She didn't want to take nice photos. She didn't. And I'm thinking to myself, well, golly, I need to find someone else. So I hire this individual or I try to hire him and he goes, Evan, I know because him and I have never met and I'm still in Phoenix and my wife's currently still in Tulsa. And he goes, Evan, I, I don't think you're supposed to sell this house. I would love to list it for you, but I really feel like God's telling me that you need to rent this out. So, all right, sure. Who, who might argue with God? <laughs> and so we rent it out. But turns out three months later, we ended up having to move back because things weren't working out. And so we moved in with my in-laws temporarily till we could get back in my house till the contract was up. And towards the end of that, you know, I had become more acquainted with him and he took me out for coffee. And he's like, Evan, have you ever thought about getting in real estate as a career? And I said, well, not really. I thought about investing, but not as a real estate agent. He goes, well, you've had a lot of jobs and You've gone through a lot of different processes. Maybe it's a good idea for you to be your own boss. Well, ministry's not working out. What I really wanted to do isn't working out. So maybe I can become an investor later if I just get in real estate now. So that's the approach I took. And I mean, that conversation really shaped the way I started viewing real estate in other areas of my life because, because what he did for me was 100% ministry. We moved back. We moved in with my in-laws. My wife was pregnant um, with our first child, and, and we ended up giving birth to a premature stillborn daughter. We had gone through a lot of hurt and a lot of loss that year. But thank God we were able to move back into our house. 
that was a very beautiful moment for us. And he had the Holy Spirit and the discernment to hear God's voice and to turn away business and money. And then that just started shaping how I wanted to do business. And then as I started learning and growing, my for me, I thought I was ready for ministry, like vocationally, I wasn't. I had a lot of hurt, a lot of baggage. And this journey of being a real estate agent slash entrepreneur, I learned that my business grows to the extent that I do. And so I put a strong emphasis on personal growth, wholeness, and well-being. And out of that came a love and a passion for growth. And it started shaping my character, molding me, making me stronger, making me more business savvy, but then showing me how I can do ministry every single day without being a pastor, without doing those things. Now, granted, I still want to be a pastor. But now ministry isn't behind the pulpit. Ministry's out here. Yes. And that was the biggest difference. Yeah, the impact that you can make on a daily basis um, within the marketplace is is significant because I'm sure through what you've just shared, the way that you do business, that you approach business, integrity, excellence, all of those things which I know are important is often very different uh, from the way others may be doing business as well. I want to go back to something that you shared and and you mentioned, you know, over a four-year period, you had 21 jobs. I'm sure, and let me ask you this, I'm sure that there are certain things that you've learned from those jobs. And one of my uh, colleagues and clients actually said, there are gifts in every learning. Some gifts just, gifts just keep on giving. And that's from the negative experiences that you've had. Nothing teaches you how you don't want to become something or do something when you've experienced that. But I'm sure you can draw on all of those experiences now to um, bring a deeper, richer um, character shaping for sure. Now in the work that you do, yes? Have you kind of been able to reflect that and bring that with you now? Well, yeah. In, you know, in terms of leadership, I could. I feel like I could write a, a book on leadership based off of all the bad leadership that was. And so that 100% has changed and shaped the way I view being able to relate to other people. And even in real estate, I still have to lead people. A lot of people view it as, you know, you work for the client. But what I've learned in real estate specifically is, yes, I'm working for them. It's actually a leadership role. I have to lead them through the process. Um, and sometimes that means that, you know, there, there are rules and regulations that when they ask me to break, I can't. You know, I have to follow certain protocols and how to have difficult conversations, whether it's with a client or with um, an agent. You know, the way that you deal with conflict was a huge uh, life lesson going through all, all that stuff. And then the other one, too, that I think was really important. And for those of you who are going from one job to another, I just took whatever was available to me at the time. We, you know, we were still coming out of the 2008, 2009 era of financial crisis. And in our state of Oklahoma, it hit later than it did the rest of the country. And so kind of when I graduated, that's when we started really feeling the effects of it. And so I just took whatever was available to me. I didn't slow down long enough to see the red flags or to see if this boss would be a good person to work for. 
And so because I was high on the hog and just jumped right into every opportunity because someone said yes and wanted me, I chose, I chose to work for some very awful people. And so that's my fault yeah. for not for not slowing down or choosing the right people to work for. So, yeah. you know, when you shared your story of uh, you had, uh, you know, you had this vision, this dream, uh, if you will, from, from, you know, as long as you can remember to become yeah. that pastor. And then as you explained, and of course, we're talking uh, to Evan Herman today about his journey um, and he's going to share, you know, really how that we can continue to love ourselves through the process of change and often hardship as well. And you shared about the hardship, the struggles that you had, uh, Evan, when you were applying for job after job after job and in the ministry and, um, you know, getting those knockbacks. It's interesting because as you share that, I always had a vision for my life that I would become a teacher. I'm adopted and I know that uh, my my biological parents were both teachers. I was adopted into a family who were teachers from kindergarten right through to theology professor. Um, and so uh, I knew teaching. However, I fell off my horse when I was going in, in, in secondary school and that prevented me. I got concussion, so it prevented me from going to, uh, to university at that stage. But lo and behold, through the circumstances of my life, I realised that I am actually teaching each and every day when I'm with you know clients and so forth whether it be coaching mentoring that kind of thing and I know now I know now that if I had had ended up in a classroom I would have gotten drained because I'm also an introvert which means that we need quiet time and space being in a classroom full of children um, would have drained me and I share that because you probably can see the way that the the Lord is able to use you with the heart of wanting to pastor people to be out there and make a difference you know for the kingdom that you can do that in in what you're doing now so I want you to share maybe for those who people who maybe have had this dream for a long time and really felt on, on their heart that, look, this is where I really feel called, but that calling hasn't come to fruition. What are some of the things that you've learned and can share, um, you know, seeding hope and possibility? Because the Lord's not done with you yet. There is something and this is a process of stage. What are some of the things that you would like to share? Oh, where to begin? The biggest aspect that really challenged me, a lot of myself, I oh mean, I'm going to get emotional. A lot of my self-worth and my identity was tied into this idea and this vocation and this profession and this passion. So when that didn't happen, it was like running into a brick wall. Except like, you know, the wild coyote could get up afterwards. I was just constantly being laid out. And that was a very painful process. In conjunction with that, since 2008... I've lost one close person in my life every single year. And so now I have grief and loss both from death, but then from this passion, this dream, this desire. And I started resenting who I was and where I was at in life because I was not in the place, nor was I the person that I had pictured in my mind. And what had happened is I ended up creating a false idol. And that false idol was what I thought I should look like, where I should be, and how I should act. That was idolatry towards God, and I did not like who I was. I did not love myself. 
And that prevented me from actually having the personal growth that I so desired. And it wasn't until I started learning how to love myself in the process of change that I actually start seeing change occur in leaps and bounds. Change was happening, but it was much through a sanding and grinding process. But when I started to learn to love myself, who I was, where I was at, and realizing God didn't create that Evan Herman, he created me. Now, there's nothing wrong with that Evan Herman, and those are good attributes, but I so tied myself to who that was and and looked down on myself for where I was that I couldn't get there because I couldn't like who I am now. Mm. If I can't like and love myself right here and right now, then I'll never be able to like myself or that person in the future. There is this idea where we call it self-love. And within Christian society, some view it positively and some view it negatively. You know, oh, you're putting too much emphasis and focus on yourself. I challenge that idea because that's one of the greatest commandments, actually. You know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, yes, neighbor comes before self. However, if you don't love yourself, you won't be able to love your neighbor. Absolutely. Amen to that. Yeah. What I love about what you said, and it's so important, and the fact that you've actually gone through and lived that journey, you've had that you know, whether I'll use the word tenacity, whether that's the right or not, but really the Lord's clung to you and you've clung to the Lord through your journey. What I love about that and want to celebrate that is that so many people let go. They let go through that moment. And, you, you know, all of the things that you've shared, I mean, I'm sure each and every one of us could come through. There are others that could share their own personal journey. It's in those moments of real uh you know, difficulty, whether it be sadness and grief or, or opportunities that pass you by and you think, why? This is, I mean, I wanted to work in for you. I wanted to work in, in your church to further your kingdom. And we don't know and we can't see. That is often the real shaping of the character. And I love the way that you've reminded us, because this is something that I was reminded of. Our identity is not in um, the title that hangs above our door. Our you know, our identity is not in anything that is here. Our, our identity is in who Christ says we are, who the Lord says we are. And I think when we take the focus of that, we leave ourselves open to um, being discouraged, to, to having doubt and fear and all of those things which could take us off the path that the Lord really wants us to yeah. work. Share a little bit more around that whole identity piece because I can see from a worldly perspective that identity is being eroded. And if you are not right in yourself, and as we know as Christians, we are right in ourselves when we're right with God, and our identity, the foundation of our identity is challenged. I mean, to me, it's 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 frightening to be it to actually where I mean, not frightening for Christians because we know who who we are and whose we are, um, but for those that you know really is a struggling kind of with that whole identity piece and it's being eroded. I mean, right. it's everything, isn't it? When we know, you know, not, it not, doesn't matter what happens to me, what people say about me or think about me. There's only one person that I care about, and I know that I am loved. I know that I am forgiven, and I know all will be all right. Share a little bit more about that, because I'm sure that there would have been things that were going through your mind as you were experiencing many of those challenging times. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in this process, 
of wanting to be a pastor, wanting to do these things, what ended up happening was I got depressed for a long time about not, not like clinical depression, but you know, not your dreams being realized, not being able to have and and to live the the way that I had dreamt for so long. And what I realized in this process, you know, there's this really awesome. So Merriam-Webster, like old Merriam-Webster dictionaries are amazing. The new ones are way secularized, sec- secularized. Yeah, what that makes sense to me. We know what you mean. Right. Yeah. They're just not as great as the older ones are. And I remember reading the definition for patience. And in the old version, it was the patience is the endurance of one's character under stress and pressure. And I was just like, oh man, my character is definitely being met. And one of the unique things through this process. I still haven't given up. I still believe that there's this call, this this moment where God will lead me into more of a vocational role. And there are things currently in place in my life that that are shaping up to actually happen that way. So I'm really excited about that when it does actually occur. But the thing is, there are many times in my life that I've just given it to God. I just gave up. But yet that I had a mentor that told me when I was telling him, you know, I, I give it up. I don't want to do it anymore, but not doing it still hurts. Mm. And he said, Evan, that's how you know you're called. If it hurts not doing it, that's how you know you're called. Mm. Yeah. And so I was just like, all right, God, this is clearly a timing thing for you and for me. So I will wait until you say, I am ready. And then I'm going to just do what I can to be ready so that when that time comes, I won't miss it. Yeah. And that was a very big not having to try to make it happen like I had so many times in the past. Mm-hmm. All those efforts, all that energy was me in my flesh trying to do it. You know, as you're sharing that, and uh, I mean, just the conversations that I've had today, and actually, I'm excited on the inside. So because as you're speaking that I can see that in in your future too, uh, in that when we come to a place of surrender, it's not giving up, it's a place of surrender, rather than striving. That is when, and I mean purely, I mean, and only the Lord can really see our hearts in that. It's it's not like I'm surrendering, Lord, there's, there's you know, there's real, you said patience within that, but that real surrender, then the Lord says, now I can place you in that role or in that whatever it is, because I needed to wait until you fully trust me. And there was none of your, you know, the desires and the striving and all of that. And I've heard it said before, and, uh, you know, for people who are, the people with the greatest calling often on their lives can need to go through the greatest challenges. You're being shaped 
the season that you're in now is shaping you for the season and the person that you need to become to be able to to share whatever it is that you need to do that he calls you and places you um, and and what you need to be for others as well and if you think about all of the things that you're learning in entrepreneurship I mean I know some pastors who also work in the area of business the Lord is moving in the area of the marketplace. Let me just share that. And, and across all of the, the different ma- mountains, you know, the seven mountains, and, you know, which is just the different industries, he's positioning his people. And so people who have been trained in the area of ministry that can minister to entrepreneurs and business owners through having walked that journey. And the previous guest that I spoke to, let me share this word with you too, Evan. And she said, you often cannot have the level of empathy and compassion that really moves, that stirs, unless you've walked that yourself. Right. How many people have walked away from certain things because of disappointment? How many people have not been able to forgive because of serpent circumstances? Not that they're saying that whatever happened to me was was not wrong. No, not at all. But we're what we're doing is we're you know releasing that emotional tie. That and as we know as Christians, if we don't forgive and we're commanded to forgive because we are forgiven, it can create a, a block, a barrier, a stronghold that the enemy can keep us stuck. And, uh, you know, all of those different areas, often we can't see it at the time, but when we look back, we realise, my goodness, um, yeah, the Lord is certainly with me. And he, he is, he certainly is. Share a little bit more about just because I know that many people are struggling when we think of what's happening in the world today. Many people may have been you know, businesses, Christian business owners may have been at a place where the business, the work that they've done has been to a certain level. And now all of a sudden that seems to have gone by the wayside because of what's happened today. What are some other things that you want to share or maybe repeat what you've said? Because I think now the time is now is when we really don't let go, don't give up, stay stay strong, stay firm, you know, lean into him. What other insights? And I want to reemphasize something here. Not only did I have the jobs, not only have I had the hurts and the pains and the significant amount of loss, the constant through it all was I knew that no matter what, God was a good God. And I could not let my expectations and my wants interfere with what I thought God, let me phrase that, my expectations, my wants of who I want him to be versus who he truly is. So if my expectations of him don't um, come to pass, that's probably not God's fault. That's probably a wrong expectation on my part. And that has been a huge, huge gift because when crap hits the fan, I don't blame God. And so many times as Christians, we are very quick to blame God. When in reality, he's the one who's still holding what we have together. And he's big enough for us to blame him. But I also love the moments where he just kind of slaps us upside the head and gives us truth. But the more bitter and angry we are as people at God, the harder it is to hear him and to, to actually receive blessings that he has for us. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I had to walk through is with all the amount of loss and and just today, even, you know, one of my very good friends, his father-in-law passed away and I knew his father-in-law 
as well as one could living in a different state. You know, he stayed at my family's house here, which my parents lived two doors from me, you know, and today he passed away. And I look at the hurt that people are going through in life, whether it's death, whether it's job loss, income loss. If we trust God enough for finances, if we trust God enough for healing, we must also trust God enough in death, and we must also trust God enough when provision doesn't happen. When I looked at all the orphans in Africa and they barely had food to eat, is it because God is bad? Do I fully understand what's going on? No. But I do know God is a good God, and I do know God loves them. And for the fact that they still had what amount of food that they did was still a blessing from God. And so in my life, I've had to take the stance that regardless of what crap happens around us or to us, we cannot blame God. There is a devourer out there. There is an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He seeks to steal our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, our ambition, and our hope. When he kills kills dreams. He takes life. When he destroys, he tries to destroy, again, hope of people's futures, people's time. Because if he can still hope, if he can kill passion and future, and he can destroy the life, then you are virtually ineffective mm-hmm. and right where he wants you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I see, and that's where I see, you know, and, and started the conversation around that whole identity. If we are building our self-worth, our self-confidence, if we're building that on what we're seeing is happening and the good, uh, when crap hits a fan, as you say, then that's going to devour, you know, that's going to minimize our identity. And that's where, where we need to be so mindful of that. And it's a daily walk, isn't it? It is yeah. a daily walk. And that's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's not perfect. Um, it's not perfect. Some days you'll do great. Some days you won't. You'll have bad weeks and months and, and then you'll shake yourself out of it. And that's where the grace comes in. That's where loving yourself through the process of change. The biggest thing in all of this, in identity, in trust, in hope, in faith, it's staying in this. This is our lifeline. This is our source. This is everything. And the reason why we have an identity crisis is because we also aren't spending enough time in this. And not just in this, but the other thing too is one way to destroy our time with God is that Satan tries to tell us we're not spending enough time with God. And then we feel bad for not being good Christians. And then we tend to not be even better Christians, but worse Christians because, oh, well, I didn't read today and it's late. And, oh man, I didn't read today either. And, oh man, I didn't read today either. And then what happens is, you know, two or three weeks go by and then you realize you haven't spent any time with God. And then you just feel like trash. But what I'm saying and what God has taught me, because I've had seasons where, where I've read the Bible a lot and where I haven't touched it for a very long time. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pat myself on the back here real quick. I did the read your Bible plan in a year and golly, I did it in three years. It took me three years to read the Bible through. It was supposed to take me one year. I finished it this year, so that's good. Um, but I say all that to say we need to be able to practice the presence of Jesus not just when we're spending time doing devotion. Yes, that's a good time. But when I'm also doing dishes, 
when I'm also holding my children, when I'm also doing real estate, when I'm driving in the car, how can we practice the presence of God everywhere we are? Because God is omniscient and omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at all times. Yeah. And we can invite him into every single moment of our life, not just when I try to carve out 10 or 15 minutes to read the Bible. Yeah, so true. I mean, no matter what we're doing, whether we're doing the podcast now, whether we're doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, whatever it may be, we can do that to glorify the Lord. We can have conversations, you know, we're told to to all sorts of prayers, pray all sorts of prayers, and it can be prayers of thanksgiving. It can be, oh, Lord, stuffed up again. Sorry, please forgive me. You know, and and I think that's important reminder because you know what often will happen is uh, it's the secondary, and that's where the enemy, you know, that guilt and shame. I mean, leave that at the cross. It is forgiven. Right. Don't don't bring that along with you. And what's really important, and uh, I'm going to uh, get you to share, Evan, in a moment, how people can connect with you. I think what's really important for us to to recognise is that it's so important. Uh, you know, when we look at our daily walk, whatever that that looks like for you, that there are, you know, stop measuring ourselves about what other people do and, and all of that. That actually, we need to be mindful of that because that can become a religious spirit if we're putting that over. As we know, there's no such thing as a good Christian. I mean, you know, and so we really need to be mindful about the words we speak over ourselves, the words that we allow others to speak over ourselves. Are we going to the words, the, you know, the living word and, and spending time in that daily? You know, you and time oh, it, 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 it's new messages and new, you you can read a verse for year after year after year and then all of a sudden the holy spirit nudges and i think that's because there's been stripping there's been stripping of labels there's been stripping of this and that and all of a sudden you read it and there's a nudge and you go oh okay you know you're you're hinting on something and i want to expound on that there is a difference between the spirit of conviction and a spirit of condemnation And oftentimes many people don't know how to discern the difference. A spirit of conviction is from the Holy Spirit that woos us back towards God. But a spirit of condemnation makes us feel guilty, unworthy, and unaccepted by God and pushes us further away. And oftentimes we view the spirit of condemnation, which is an evil spirit, not a spirit Mm -hmm. of God, but an evil spirit. And we think that that is God making us feel bad so that we can draw closer to him. God does not punish you to feel bad, to get him closer to you. God never left. God is extremely gracious and very slow to anger. Very, very patient. But that spirit of condemnation is a trick and a lie from the devil to make us feel separated and apart and unwanted and that God's angry with us. But the spirit of conviction, whether it's sin or any other issue of our life, the spirit of conviction says, wow, I was was wrong. I I did not do right. But there's there's this feeling of love and compassion and grace and a desire to do and be better that comes out of a feeling of being loved, out of a feeling of being accepted, and out of a feeling of knowing that God loves you where you're at. Yeah. 
And thank you for sharing that because that really adds um, some words to what I've been saying for quite some time to people and what I'm, you know, experiencing. I mean, where we know as Christians that we need to ask regularly for forgiveness because who we are and and the things that we do on this side of heaven, um, but it's been forgiven, you know, is when you look against the principles and the standards of the law, it just does not measure up. But obviously we know that, the you know, Jesus' death on the cross forgives us for that. But we need to, when we get have that spirit of conviction is to go and ask, I'm sorry, forgive me, because if we don't, that leaves us open for attacks by the enemy, doesn't it, where it can become a spirit of condemnation. and Yeah. So in terms of like you're saying, whether past, present, or future, so people view righteousness as an arrival, like I will be righteous when I don't have this anymore. I'll be more righteous justification, all that. It has happened, meaning because Jesus died on the cross and because he died on the cross, I have righteousness already. Mm -hmm. I'm currently being transformed into righteousness because I'm learning and growing. And yet I will be righteous when I enter the kingdom of God and have no more sin. So it's not a, I'm going to reach it in my life and it's a destination and I have to do better. No, it's I am righteous. I'm currently being molded into righteousness and one day I will be righteous. It's all of it together. There is no singular moment for those of us, myself, that struggle with that. And you know what? We all struggle with that. And I I think that's why having these conversations is so amazing because another lie of the devil is that that he makes us feel that no one else, no one else goes through that. No one else in the world has imposter syndrome and no one else has shame. And by the way, no one else has doubt. And it's just you. When we realize we all have that, we all have that. We're all forgiven. Um, no one is better than one another. We all need one another. So let's just get over ourselves. And, right. You know, and, and it, it's, you know, it's you, know you know what that is? I'll, I'll tell you. It is a, oh man, did I ruin it? There we go. There, it's this moment in our life where we become so self-righteous that we think the way we act has to do with our own righteousness. No, no, no. Our righteousness is by Christ and Christ alone. Yeah, absolutely. I had, I had, to, I had to do that. <laughs> Just before uh, we went live, we were uh, talking about sound effects and things like that, um, which is wonderful. Look, I have just so enjoyed today's conversation, Evan. We could probably continue on uh, for, for many more episodes on this, but it's important, isn't it, to, you know, we all go through struggles. We all go through challenges. It's just a part of life. And I love the way, let me share this. I love the way that you shared the meaning of the Merriam Dictionary, the old version, Merriam Webster, about patience, about the shaping and crushing of character. Because, you know, be mindful what you pray for, because the the Lord will work in your life, but there is going to be crushing of of character. Um, So often we pray for patience and we think, bing. We're going to have patience. We know there's a lot of waiting in our future. And that's why so often um, when we do ask and and ask the Lord to move in certain ways and, you know, that we are surrendering, there is going to be some aspect like 
crushing of the what the grapes when yep. they you know new wine there's going to be crushing there how long and how soon you get through that i think is very dependent on how stubborn we are let me just put that for, for, i'll just put the label on me how stubborn i am how willing i am or quick to surrender to it's like, oh there we go again lord however when we get to that stage we realize boy um, I don't necessarily need to go through that lesson again, Lord, although sometimes we do need to go through that lesson over and over again. Mm. Have you got it yet, Anne-Marie? Nope. All right, let's just go through that cycle again. I think when we realise what you've just said, how what a loving, patient God we have, um, and I'm sure that, you know, when, when we are going through that crushing and, you know, he wants to reach out and yeah. he does, you know, um, don't we want to make sure that we're, we really can receive that and be reminded yeah. of that. There's this misconception of God, of him being an angry God. And it comes from the Old Testament where, you know, people say that God murdered you know, tribes, villages, you know, when he told the Israelites to go in and wipe everyone out. God didn't kill them, number one. What happens in the way that texts read, you need to know the original Greek and Hebrew to really get the best um, understanding of it, but it's that God turns people over to their own sin. Mm. And sin, if we sin, there will be destruction. And so, what what we don't realize is the wages of sin is death. So realistically, right away when we sin, there should be death. But because of God's mercy, there is the extension of grace that we get time to change. And when people don't change, God turns them over to the results of their own actions, mm-hmm. not himself punishing them. Yeah, yeah. And now, of course, we're told to pray for our enemies and, um, you know, we do. And if their eyes are opened and their ears, then they can hear and their hearts, you know, soften that they can come to know the Lord as well. Then we'll all be part of one big happy family, you know, um, which is wonderful. Look, Evan, share a little bit more about how people can connect with you and then I'd love to finish with a word of prayer if I may. But how can people connect? So real easy, okay, my my email is evan at evanherman.com, H-E-R-R-M-A-N. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. My website for the podcast is thewholepersonpodcast.com, just all one word. And then my phone number, for whatever reason you want to call me, 918-625-7073. I am in the U.S. And so... um Feel free to reach out to me if you want. Yeah, fantastic. Look, thanks once again, Evan. Love today's conversation. And I want to say you are a great hostess. You are you are fantastic. You ask great questions, energetic. Having done a lot of these uh, interviews myself, this I, I've just really, really enjoyed this one because you are so great at what you do that it's easy to have a conversation with. So. Oh. You know what? I will, I will say thank you for that, but I have to be honest with you. This is this is a gifting of the Lord. I really do feel that this is a gifting. So I will give that honor and praise back to Him. Uh, but thank you, Evan. Evan, may I finish today's show with a a word of prayer? Absolutely. 
All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to speak with Evan today. We covered so much uh, ground, Lord, uh, and I really hope and pray that people who are listening and watching, even the recording, can really be blessed by that. Father, there are so many times and situations in our lives, grief and loss, where the words just escape us. But we know, Lord, when we lean into you, there is healing. There is just incredible power. There's hope there is just possibility when we just lean into you, surrender to you. Father, I just want to ask for a continued blessing on Evan's life, his family, his business. Father, you know where you will eventually lead him. And, you know, when we when he continues to do what he's doing, lean into you, seek you every day, Lord. We know that it will come to pass. Thank you for the insights, the inspiration, and just the message that he continues to share with where he is now the work that he is doing with his podcast. Will you continue to bless that? Will you continue to open doors, Lord God, and uh, really just continue to uh, yeah, further your kingdom, allow others to see Christ in him and the work that he does. Lord, we just love you. We thank you for this time that we could spend um, just talking about how awesome you are, Lord. You're a loving God. And um, yeah, we just want to just say thank you for that. We ask this all in the precious name of your son Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Evan. All the very best. I know I just, you know what, I, I don't say this often, but, you know, prophetically, I do see you one day standing there and I know that the the time frame, preaching, ministering to others and the time frame that you've gone through, you needed to because it's going to provide such a, an important message to what you share for the people that you are here to serve, you know, the calling of the lives that you are here to be a, you know, to minister to, to pastor to. So, yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's encouraging. You're welcome. All right. All the very best. Please reach out to Evan. Go and listen to his podcast and uh, I'll, I'll certainly go over and head over and listen to that too. But once again, thanks, Evan, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.